people just don't actually talk to each other. Like I've never had like a work Kelsey and a personal Kelsey. Like I'm just someone who's very open to just like asking for what I need or what I think I need. Whereas a lot of times I think people just kind of put barriers up and don't just have those candid conversations. So there's just that lack of communication. I feel like it doesn't need to be there, but it's kind of just how we operate as a society now. Welcome to this episode of Space to Build, the podcast that celebrates the voices of hardworking women in construction. In each episode, we discuss a career in construction and explore the skills needed to build holistic success sooner rather than later as an emerging construction professional. Hey, it's Catherine, your host. I started Space to Build in 2020 while I was a superintendent for a general contractor. For years, I craved community and a means to connect with women who felt isolated in the industry. Since November of 2020, our stories have been shared in over 40 countries across the globe. These experiences have brought new ideas to the table for both women and men in the industry. While I highlight the voices of women in architecture, engineering, and construction, this podcast is meant to be a resource for anyone, regardless of gender. Today, I get to introduce you to Kelsey, the founder and dreamer of Kilo Lima Code. She is a multi-passionate human figuring out life and what feeds her soul. Her niche in our industry is one many of us don't spend much time thinking about as a career path. So let's go behind the scenes of the Canadian Building Code community and learn, one, how Kelsey became a Canadian Building Code engineer and later transitioned into a design consultant role. Two, the value of experiencing aspects of our industry from the opposite side. And three, how Kilo Lima will change the way Canada will understand the National Building Code. Let's get started. Welcome to the show, Kelsey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Why don't we jump right in? Because we've got a lot to talk about today. So, who is Kelsey as a human being? Um, that is a deep, deep question. I have three kids, and I am currently on a bit of a journey figuring out who I am and what I want to do. So as a human being, I think I've transitioned a lot over the few years. I used to be very engineering and kind of focused on career and moving that forward. Whereas the last couple of years, I've taken time kind of to say, what the heck am I doing with my life and figure myself out as a human being? Nothing wrong with that. You've got a long <laughs> life to live and a lot of things that we can do. Yeah. Yeah. So what brought you into the construction space to begin with? Um, so my background's environmental engineering and right out of school, I got on with our, the city of Regina, our municipality here, and I worked in roadways, the asset management side, and then operations. And I was on my second mat leave and there was opening in the building department and permit review. Uh, what is a mat leave? Oh, sorry. Maternity leave in Canada here. We have a year. So I was on maternity leave with my second and there was an opening in the building plan review branch. And at the time I didn't love my boss. I was like, oh, I could go for a change. I didn't really know there was a building code when I started, but it made sense. Um, so that's kind of, I just like happened into building code and the construction industry that way. It wasn't really a conscious choice. I just was up for a change and 
then I fell in love with the building code and making sure buildings are safe. So what made you develop such a passion for building codes? Um, I think like, so I dealt mostly with in Canada, it's part three, but it's the more complex buildings. And so the fire protection, life safety and accessibility. And I was just fascinated how in public buildings are just complex buildings, hospitals, schools, everything. There's just so much built into the design that facilitates for fire protection, getting people out of a building safety and accessibility. And I just was just so important to me because what drives me is community and people. And so it was a technical role I was in, but I could just see the impact on the community. And so I just became obsessed with it. I also love, like, I love the technical side and getting down into the nitty gritty of the code. And it was just a job where I got to, you know, talk to designers and work with different groups in the city. So it just kind of met a lot of my passions. And that makes a lot of sense based off of our previous conversations <laughs> together. So what was the title of your first job? I was a building code engineer. So I was like in the office, I did the plan review side and would approve building permits. And then a different group did all the inspections. Okay. Did you learn how to read drawings previously or was that something that you learned when you moved into the building code realm? Yeah, it was all on like once I moved into building code, like I went in there honestly, like I didn't know there was a building code. It was uh, a really steep, learning curve. So I was learning the code alongside with the whole industry and how drawings work together. So yeah, it was all once I moved over there. It was a brand, brand new world to me. How long did it take you to get accustomed to reading the drawings and understanding the codes to make your job feel a little bit more efficient? It was kind of um, a sink or swim for me. So within <laughs> I started and then like here, probably similar down there, the building officials need to write exams to be licensed to approve drawings. So within 10 months of not knowing there was a building code, I wrote kind of the three exams to be able to review all types of buildings. And within 10 months, I was the only one reviewing for fire protection and life safety. I would say until I was comfortable and with like the level of review I was giving and comfortable with drawings. Like I would say probably like a year and a half. That makes sense. And that sounds like you had a, a really busy first year just wrapping your head around things. I think that's pretty impressive to accomplish that much in a short time. So where did you go from your engineer position? I left the enforcement side. I'd been doing that about four years and like I'm in Saskatchewan and then we had plans to move out to British Columbia, which is on the West Coast. And so I reached out to a company out there, which was on the design consulting side and joined them in September, 2019. So I acted as a consultant working with design teams from the onset of projects. My thought was that you know, we could help people so that they didn't hate the permit process or the Kelsey's at the city. Um, so I was there for a bit. And then after a few months, I had started Kilo Lima there on the side. And then I was a consultant for about a year. And then I decided to quit and chase my hopes and dreams. And then after about five months, I realized hopes and dreams don't pay the bills. So I went back to consulting for not even another year. And then, um, 
and then left that again to kind of pursue other things. So I'm in a completely different field of career right now. So after being on the enforcement side, I went to the design consulting side. So it's it was really useful because being able to see issues from both sides, I think, is something that if more people had both the sides, like we'd be able to make a lot more improvements in the industry because mm-hmm. um, there just tends to be a lot of us versus them mentality. There's just a lot of room for improvement in that aspect in the industry. What are some examples from your experience on both ends that like maybe people aren't aware of that really help build that sense of collaboration and to make the process a little bit more efficient? I think like the big problem with the building code aspect is that there's a lot of parts that are open for interpretation. And so on the design side, if you don't know how a jurisdiction interprets something, you either make assumptions, which a lot of the design side did, whereas I was like, hold up, like, let's, let's say how we think it is, but also discuss it with the municipality, like way before, because it becomes a permit and they dig their heels in, like it messes up our projects. When it was just me, I'd want to write advisories on so many things. So I didn't have to like tell every single designer what we thought about a certain item, but I had no capacity for it. And a lot of municipalities have advisories on their sites, but they're government sites and it's hard to find stuff. So I think that was probably the biggest conflict I saw. The view from the design side is just so much frustration towards the municipalities either because they don't know what they think about it or it takes them long to respond. But being on that side, it's like, you know, and as designers, we have to come forward with what we think as opposed to just what do you want from the city? So I think that's kind of a big thing that's misunderstood too. A lot of times the design side will just be like, well, what do you want me to do? Whereas the municipalities, like they can't act as the designer. So it just causes a lot of conflict. I think a needed conflict if there was a different approach towards the issues. Okay. So it sounds like the design consultants need to come with a potential solution or two to the conversation so that they can work through it with the building code person. And then maybe take into consideration there's probably a labor shortage on that end. Mm-hmm. Work hard to be able to accommodate everything. So it makes sense to tackle these issues on the front end before things start, before you start the permit process. Because I know for us, sometimes it takes quite a while. And when we have things like a, a global pandemic, it takes even longer, right? And now we're just short-staffed everywhere. So everything's yeah. really frustrating. And like, too, like you say, oh, we wanted this from the office. We're on this from the field. I find a lot of times that people just don't actually talk to each other like I've never had like a work Kelsey and a personal Kelsey like I'm just someone who's very open to just like asking for what I need or what I think I need whereas a lot of times I think people just kind of put barriers up and don't just have those candid conversations and you know maybe they're afraid of looking dumb or something so there's just that lack of communication i feel like it doesn't need to be there but it's kind of just how we operate as a society now so i wanted to ask you about updating building codes and i was curious to see how how quick that process is in canada or how smooth it is and how quickly it goes from the code being updated themselves and having that information communicated back down to the contractors Um, So in Canada, we have a national building code. 
And it is typically on a five-year cycle. So now there's been a published 2020 code, which wasn't published in 2020. And then once the, the national code is published, then it's up to each province, which are like states in the U.S., to take that document and adopt it. So in some provinces, they rewrite quite a bit of the code and make it their own provincial codes, whereas a lot of the other provinces or territories just adopt the national building code with maybe a page or two of amendments. So the provinces or states have to adopt it into law and then the municipalities can enforce it. And then so once it's adopted provincially, then everybody needs to meet it. So it's a huge issue because there's all these new rules, but I've just noticed it and it, it happens kind of in every industry, but there's just that big gap between rules and actual tools for the people who need to use them to use them. So going down to the contractor, once it's law, they have to kind of understand the new rules. Um, yeah, so some provinces take it, change it quite a bit and make it their own. And then other ones just really align with the national code. Okay. So how do these transitions, everything that you've talked about today, tie back into what you're doing with Kilo Lima that you mentioned earlier? So I was in Saskatchewan to start with very little resources as I learned the code. It was in 2015 when I started in the building department and my exams were still based on the 1995 building code. So 20-year-old codes um, and all that was really available for education for me was someone from Ontario, which is a different province. Their code is quite different, would come through town once a year and teach a five days, like eight hours a day course on complex oh. buildings. Yeah. So that's not how brains learn, but that was what was available to me. So that was my experience. And like as a province, um, kind of BC and Ontario, like where Toronto is and Vancouver, a lot more resources um, for education and training, whereas other provinces, there just isn't resources. So that's what I kind of learned with. And then when we moved out to British Columbia, I took a course through Vancouver and they would bring in niche experts to teach these courses. So I took this and I was like, what? The? Like back the rest of the provinces don't have access to this. And this was like before COVID. So probably in like January, 2020 is when I started planning Kilo. Cause I was like, this is BS. Like we have this thing called the internet. Like why is this information not available to everyone? Like Saskatchewan Municipal Kelsey had no idea that this stuff was available. Like there's 3,500 municipalities. So 3,500 different building official groups. We're all trying to figure things out separately. I just thought that was complete bananas. So with Kilo Lima, I just decided I was going to assemble people across the country to write a blog. Well, at first I was just going to write the blog, but then it took me way too long to write one. So I assembled a team and just to kind of raise the general level of understanding and knowledge of the building code, because to me, we couldn't approve as an industry until everyone at least like it was easy to understand the code and the code isn't rocket science, but it is organized so, so poorly that you need to spend your days in it to understand where to find requirements and how to use them. Because same as I'm not familiar with the IBC, but NFPA 
101, like the life safety code down there, it's occupancy based. So depending how you use a building or space, different rules apply, but it's not like you, there's like a section in the code for that. The rules are like scattered throughout the code. So to me, that was crazy that it was so hard to even meet minimum requirements. So yeah, I guess, so that spurred Kilo Lima because I just thought, you know, it's like it's people's lives. Like that's why we have a building code and accessibility. Um, so just so everyone is on the same page and had access to the same resources instead of the inefficiencies of everyone working in their silos. So what kind of like topics do you cover and what types of resources do you cover? So our blog, it kind of depends on who's writing it. My whole thing is bringing different perspectives in the mix. So we'll have people from the design side, people from the enforcement side. Um, I'm trying to get more kind of contractors and installers because they have a really great perspective too, but it's been, it's been tricky. Um, and some of the blogs are high level meant to kind of bring people from the unknown unknowns to at least the known unknowns, like, holy crap, I didn't know I was supposed to be doing that. No, look into it. And then some of our blog writers get really technical, um, into kind of the difference between fire rated glazing and fire protective glazing and all the standards. And there's a big variety of levels of blogs and kind of what they're meant for. And then just a lot of different perspectives. So it's really quite, quite a range. Um, and then in terms of resources, we have a few online courses. My goal is to be a central hub for building code online courses for Canada. So our intent is to host niche expert courses where, you know, maybe there's a niche expert out there who would love to reach a bunch of people, but they don't know how to put together an online course, nor do they want to like host it and yada yada. So there's tons of information, but it's scattered throughout the internet and really hard to find. So kind of guiding people to where they can go for certain maybe user's guides that a province put out or interpretations. Um, so really kind of bringing the internet to people who don't know where kind of go down the rabbit holes and find it. Makes sense. It sounds like you have a lot of really good content available for people to check out. It just needs to be cleaned up so that it's just easier for people yeah. to access. And I know I've been on your website and I still think it's easy to get through, but I see what you're talking about, about wanting to keep it just a little cleaner, just more accessible to people, but it's already a fantastic resource. So I want to switch over to our rapid fire questions. Uh, you ready? Yeah. All right. Coffee or tea? Coffee, 100%. Footwear for work? So I don't work in the field. I work in my home or office and it's always slippers. What are you currently reading or listening to? Um, I'm someone who I have, like, I love, love the library. So I'll take out like 10 books on a certain subject and kind of just, you know, peruse through all of them. I don't usually finish full books, but right now I'm listening to a book called Stolen Focus um, by Johan Hari or Johan. And it is um, absolutely fascinating. So what's one piece of advice you can offer someone who wants to focus their career on going into code consulting? Uh, I think like the building code in itself and code consulting, a, a lot of people don't even know it's an option. Um, I found anyways when I started. So I guess advice if you are um, looking at that path, like hooray for being a code geek. And then also 
just connect with people who are doing the same thing and build those relationships because the code can be very interpretive. So having a network of people you can discuss it with. Sometimes if you're in a big enough municipality, you'll have your own internal group, but a lot of smaller ones, it's just the one building code individual. So really just building that network and connecting with your fellow code geeks. Awesome. I love how community is such a central theme. So how can we expand that community and how can we have our listeners connect with you and Kilo Lima? Um, come to the website and join our mission. Right now we are focused on Canadian content, but really a lot of them are theory that applies to any code anywhere you are. So even if you're not in Canada, I think you can get a lot of value from the website. I am someone who I love to talk to people and interact. So, you know, if you're interested in what we're doing, like you can reach out to me through the website or I am use LinkedIn quite a bit. So you can connect with me there and I'm always happy to chat. Um, so I just, I love hearing from people and kind of what they're doing and where they're at. So yeah, check out the website and connect with me on LinkedIn. Awesome. I will share links to the website in your LinkedIn page in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. This was a lot of fun and it gave me a deeper perspective and appreciation for the building code community. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here today. If you would like to chime in on the conversation, you can find us online at space2build.co. Yes, it's .co. We are also on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Space2Build. When you have a moment, do you mind leaving a review for this podcast? I read your reviews at the end of each episode, and I'm constantly looking for ways to improve. Any ideas to improve your experience will be more than welcomed. And remember, you belong here. There is so much space for you in our industry. 